What's up guys, welcome back to another episode of the Dream Chasing 101 podcast. Today we have a special guest, he's just back from a crazy weekend at the Super Bowl and I'll leave it up to Billy just to give us a bit of background as to who he is and what he does. Yeah, thanks for the intro. Um, my name is Billy Quatch. I'm a content creator based in Kansas City and I work for a creative agency called Let It Fly Media as well as freelancing for the NFL on the, on the side. So I do a lot of cool um, shoots every now and then. And um, yeah, I, I make videos. That's, that's basically sums me up. And Billy, you know, before we get deeper into this journey that you've been on, a question we like to ask you is, you know, when you were growing up, what did Billy, you know, 15 year old Billy want to be? And how far are you from that right now? <laughs> uh, that's a really good question. Um, <laughs> I'm very far from what I wanted to be because back then I didn't know what I wanted to be. Um, I didn't really do a great job of, you know, thinking about my future and, you know, thinking about a career and a job and taxes, 401k, all that. Like, uh, when I was a kid, I was just doing what everybody else was doing, just following, um, kind of what everybody else was saying, which is, you go to school, you get A's, you go to the next grade, and then, you know, you have a summer to take a break, and then you repeat. <laughs> so um, I kind of just played video games, hung out with friends. Uh, you know, w when I did think about the future, it was, I don't think I ever, I, I didn't really think about it at all. So um, didn't think about videography or, content creating or anywhere close to what I'd be doing now, any, anywhere close to 15 years of age. Um, I didn't even think about it till probably sophomore year of college. And you mentioned college, you know, you, you know, you did your B, your bachelor's in broadcast journalism. What spurred you to kind of choose that, you know, knowing that you didn't really have like this clear picture of what you wanted to be growing up? Um, so I actually chose engineering as my first major when I went to university of Arkansas and that was a, not a mistake, but it wasn't the right choice because that first year was really hard and I thought that's what I wanted to do. Um, and the summer after my freshman year, I got my first camera and started making videos and kind of that's when you know my passion kind of started for filmmaking or content creating or whatever and that's when i decided to make the switch to a different major that is a little more well suited for making videos and broadcast journalism was the closest thing we had at the university of arkansas um, it wasn't exactly what i wanted to do but it was the closest thing. So I just chose broadcast journalism as my degree, but a lot of what I know now happened outside of class um, through experience and, um, you know, failures and successes. Yeah, and I was actually gonna ask, you know, knowing what you know now and where you find yourself right now, would you still go back and study that? Or would you, you know, do you think you can kind of gather the information that you acquired through 
um, university, maybe online. Like, you know, the the internet's quite a a big resource if you look at it now. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, looking back, I wouldn't change a thing. Like, if I could go back in time, I would just do everything like I did it, because then I would end up where I am now. Um, for those that are looking forward at college and at education and whatnot, everything I know now came from YouTube or online or through doing the work and putting in the reps. I learned 0% of what I do now inside of class. Um, and that's not to say that you shouldn't go to college because I wouldn't have the opportunities and the networking that led me to the position I'm at now without college. Um, but that is me trying to say that you can't just get a degree and then end up in a position like this. You have to do stuff outside of class, um, no matter what the degree is. Like you just got to put in work outside of class. It's not enough to do it three three times a week, one yeah. hour a session, and then go hang out. Like if you want to do this, you got to do it every day. Yeah, and, you know, I'm in the same kind of field as you are in content creation as well. And I often found myself thinking, you know, there's not really many places to actually go and study this kind of, um, you're basically picking up tools along the way. And I think, you, like you mentioned, YouTube has been so influential in so many, you know, top creatives' lives that, you know, YouTube could almost have their little university, kind of like a Skillshare kind of thing. For people to to just pick and learn from um when you know going from by the way what was your first camera that you got uh my first camera was a canon t3i cool and you know back in the day when you you know got your first paid job and once you completed that first paid job what you know what did you struggle with internally that obviously you didn't show the client but what were some of the the troubles that you had and you know, how did you kind of cope with, you know, that first paid job? Because that's, or, or even like your first big job, even if it was for nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. I mean, my first paid gig was, I believe, um, I believe I was shooting a sorority video for one of the sororities on campus. And that was the first time someone handed me a check for i guess my services yeah um i mean i guess technically i did a wedding prior to that but i i like to think the wedding wasn't for much and it was like for a friend so like yeah this one was like the first i didn't really know the client it wasn't like a favor for a friend this was like real I got paid and I made a video and honestly, um, I mean, looking back now, I was way like, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, <laughs> and I, I know in the moment I kind of had no idea what I was doing as well, but I didn't see that as a struggle or mm. a negative. It kind of just happened. And I, just rolled with it and did, I kind of, I didn't black out, but I kind of went to the zone of like, they, 
It was funny because I actually, it was, uh, I think my sophomore year. So, um, and I'm pretty, I was a pretty shy guy back then. So you're asking me to film like a hundred sorority, you know, <laughs> women. And like, they're asking me like, what should we do? And I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't, I'm not in a sorority. I don't know what y'all want to do. Um, so I brought two of my friends who they didn't know a thing about camera work. They were just my friends. And I just brought them to hold my bags, like carry my gear. Um, so we show up, all the sorority girls show up there and they just like one of them, the, the point of contact just turns to me and goes, so what do you want us to do? And I was like, I didn't know, but I just started, all right, let's do this. Let's do that. Like, I just, that's when it started. Like, let's just do stuff like yeah and they freaking loved the video um i loved it back then but like looking back it wasn't that great um and yeah it's funny that that was like one of my first gigs um but i don't, I don't think i had any struggles like i had a canon t3i i had a gimbal um we did some interviews i had no lights we literally just did them outside it's very run and gun very meh but to us back then it was yeah. like cool was... and like yeah it's i mean i i can't part of me wants to do another sort of video now knowing what i know now mm. and then like just blowing yeah. that out of the water um but yeah it's it's funny to look back at past work and see um the progress and how much growth you have over time yeah, do a then and now video. Go and film that same <laughs> proper hype video. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, like you didn't have any struggles. Um, now that you kind of asserted yourself in this specific field of kind of sports media, what do you think in general when you see like some of the young, I say youngsters, but you, you know, you're still quite young, but um, when you see newcomers in the industry, what are some of the things that you spot that, you know, could be troublesome for them? For instance, maybe if they, you know, carrying too much gear, like they're too worried about the gear, you know, is there some things that you see when you look at, you know, inexperienced people that come into the, into the sports world? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, not, not one particular thing pops out, but I see a lot of things, um, I think number one, or this isn't like the top one, just one that I think of. It's a really good question. Um, I think a lot of people, like you mentioned, are hung up on the gear and worried about the latest and greatest. Um, but like getting the latest and greatest camera is not going to make you better. Like, yeah, it's 20% gear, 80% person holding the stuff so you know a lot of maybe a lot of people focus on the gear and then if so you're focusing on 20 percent of the project um when you should be focusing on yourself as a filmmaker um or content creator we're not all filmmakers um another thing i see i think um is people not uh, I guess, I guess people not like posting their work mm. as much as they should, which is something I've been preaching for the past couple of months. 
um, they think it's not ready to be seen by people or they think it's not good enough or they compare themselves to others. So they're waiting for their stuff to look like other people or whatever reason XYZ, they're just not posting their stuff or not posting it quite as much. And which is fine. Like, you know, some people, they just don't want to post. Like if you don't want to post your stuff or like if you don't want, like you don't have to post your stuff. But the people that are like wanting to maybe grow their followers or um, get new clients or new gigs or expand their like clientele or like want to get hired yeah and they're not posting their work then that's where it's like if you're not posting your work then how are people going to see what you can do like i can't hire you if i've never seen your work before um and if it's if you post your work if it's bad who cares like if you post your work and other people are annoyed of you who cares like you know those aren't your followers those aren't your friends if they're you know worried about the amount of times they're seeing your work so uh, I think a lot of people just think about a lot of things when it comes to social media and it's uh, most of it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, that's, that's probably the biggest thing. I mentioned like comparison or comparing yourself to others. That's another trap I see a lot of people fall into. Um, and it's like, um, like, like social media is just like a snapshot of where everybody is in their journey. And you just happen to see someone who's way farther down the line in their journey versus yours. And that to a lot of people can be very demoralizing. So you have to understand that, you know, we're all on different timetables and timelines and it's not all the same. So seeing someone like shoot the Super Bowl on February 7th of 2021 doesn't mean you need to be shooting the Super Bowl. Like it's been, uh, six years. Yeah. Or, I mean, it's been six years of me working to get exactly. myself to the position of shooting the Super Bowl. So did you, you know, you mentioned all of these things. Did you ever at one time fall into these traps as well? Um, a little bit. Uh, I think the comparison trap, um, I think when I was working at the Chiefs, um, uh, let's see. Yeah. When I was working at the Chiefs, I, I feel like I was comparing myself to a lot of other people, um, and just seeing what they were doing versus what I was doing. And I like, it wasn't, it didn't affect me that much. Cause honestly, the solution I had was to just mute them yeah and like i didn't block them or unfollow them i just muted them so you didn't see them on your timeline um and i did that with a couple of people just so i could focus on like my stuff and my style um and i think that's a really good solution for people who kind of fall into that trap is like if you if you're seeing something on your screen that you know is affecting you you can easily just mute that account or delete that app or whatever like you have a lot more control of what you see um, than you think. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's an important thing to note is it's, all, it's okay to kind of feel these things, but 
you know there is like a way that you can kind of control the uncontrollable in a certain sense um but yeah i think i think all of us have kind of been through that phase you know where you just compare yourself to someone else and like you mentioned we're all on these different timelines and once you the sooner you realize that you have your own path the better it is then you can kind of zero in on your your track and i think once we come to to grips with that that's when you start developing like your own style your own way of shooting because like you mentioned when you're seeing a lot of uh, like a specific style that's doing well and it's getting the likes and the views then you you're trying to think oh maybe i should get that lens ooh you know i like this you know shallower depth of field and all these small things that distract you from you know you growing as an actual creator so I think that's like very important to note that you can't just mute people and just or unfollow them. You know, whatever's healthier for your journey going forward. Um, you you know you've you've had a very sports centered journey in this field. How did your jobs at you know Razorback Sports Network and Northwest and the MLQ prepare you for you know the the two year well kind of two years you did at the the Chiefs? How, you know what. Um, pieces of the journey did you pick from you know that kind of bolstered your your creating skills back then um honestly it was less about creating back then for those jobs because um at Razorback Sports Network it was a broadcast job so I was doing work for broadcast television it wasn't really what wanted to do but there were small opportunities to create and you know I took try to take advantage of those opportunities and it was more just a learning experience of going on shoots making edits having a couple failures here and there um, and kind of going through growth spurts that kind of got me a little bit more prepared for the Chiefs um, a lot of my learning slash growing came from year one at the Chiefs when I was an intern. Um, I thought I was ready for a full-time job coming out of college. And, you know, I applied to a bunch and there were a couple full-time jobs that offered and uh, that I got close to in the interview process. And I was like, this is it. I can't, you know, I'm ready for this, blah, blah, blah. But then after going to the Chiefs for a year of interning, and not being full-time, I learned a massive amount of things that I didn't know or didn't even think about before that I'm glad I went through instead of being, you know, placed headfirst full-time right away out of college. So um, definitely my internship year at the Chiefs was kind of the stepping stone to where I'm at now. And... You know, you mentioned that that step between year one at the Chiefs and year two, what were some of the major things that you can kind of pinpoint, you know, really did kind of shift either the way you were looking at, you know, creation or, you know, just the way things are done? You know, what perspective was kind of changed throughout that year one, year two? Uh, I think it was two things. Number one was definitely my work ethic and mindset changed that year um and it's thanks to me kind of uh getting more into gary v and his content yeah you know gary vaynerchuk um 
I'm a fan of Gary's. I know there are some people who hate him, some people who love him, <laughs> but I'm a huge fan of him. And that intern year, I literally consumed his content 24-7, podcast, video, YouTube, Instagram, post notifications, like anything he posted, everything he posted, I, I listened to whenever I could, whenever I, you know, whenever I wasn't working or if I was at home or driving to work or whatever. And that was a huge turning point and kind of my mindset in terms of like my confidence in me and how I thought about things. And like, you know, prior to that, that's probably when I was around, I mean, I guess around the same time I was like in that comparison trap. Yeah. And like, that's how I got out of it. Like just following Gary's advice and, um, kind of getting a little more self-awareness and just, you know, doing the things that he preached. Not, not all of it applied to what I was doing. You got kind of have to pick and choose what he says exactly. works for you. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be an entrepreneur, but um, there are a lot of things that he says that applies to anything. And once you hit those nuggets, kind of just, if you believe it and if you think it's true, then start applying it. If not, you don't have to believe it. You can just go to the next thing. Um, so that really helped kind of flip the switch. And then the second thing would be maybe probably the more practical thing is just I was in an environment that I was forced to like just create stuff almost every day. Like I was just working, shooting stuff all the time. I was an intern, so I was doing a lot of the low-level stuff. Yeah. And um, – yeah, it was just reps and reps and reps. And that's probably the biggest advice I have to like anyone trying to get into content creating is you got to think of it as like working out and trying to get stronger. Like you're not going to get stronger by sitting at home and not going to the gym, right? The only way to get stronger is by going to the gym, lifting weights. And it doesn't matter if it's light weights or heavy weights. If it's light, that's fine, but lift. And then maybe next week, try something heavier. You can't get to 10 reps. That's fine. Go back down to something easier. Do that for five more months. And then you'll be able to do the heavier stuff and then get heavier and heavier and heavier. And you'll be able to do more. You'll be able to be faster and more efficient. Like that's the same, same thing with editing or filmmaking or content creating. Um, maybe I shouldn't say filmmaking, um, content creating like for social, like, your first stuff is going to suck. Your first year, your first three years is going to suck. But you have to do it if you want to get better over time. Yeah. And, you know, just to go back on the on Gary Vee, I think, um, yeah, a lot of people don't like him because they listen, you know, you, you hear what you want to hear. So they're obviously hearing this different personality versus if you're actually listening to what he's saying there are so many um, small pieces of information that can change the way you look at things and yeah I also find myself kind of um, at a specific stage in my career as well kind of just learning so much off of his content after a while like some of the stuff you it is kind of repetitive in a sense like there's a few times where but it's the the point is it's, he's beating that information into you if you let him and you can kind of change the way you look at things 
Um, and then, yeah, you know, you mentioned you were on like the lower level kind of stuff and you were kind of being forced to create like on, on a daily basis. Did everything you create, you know, turn out into um, an actual, I'll, I'll call it a product, like a finished product, or did some of it just get, you know, tossed out as like practice, you know, like it didn't even see the, the light of day kind of thing. It was just reps, you know, versus like a finished product getting posted on the chief social page or something like that. Yeah, uh, I think most of my stuff got posted, whether it was on the website or social. Um, it just might have not have been the coolest thing. Like it was a low level like sponsorship stuff or the mic'd ups or like maybe my stuff is going on the video board. Like there was nothing at the Chiefs that I did that didn't live somewhere. Um, there might have been some projects that I did outside of the Chiefs that probably didn't make it somewhere. Um, but I think for the most part, if I was working on it, it eventually got somewhere. Okay. And, you know, you, you're working at Let It Fly. It's been close to two years now, I think. Yeah, a year um, and a half. Yeah. And, you know, you've, I've seen some of the stuff on your social. You've also done some other sports um, work. You know, if you could, in the perfect world, if you could walk into any sports league or, you know, sport in general, which would you choose and why? Um, I, 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 I'm in, I'm, hmm. I mean, I'm not going to choose the NFL because I'm in that right now, but I'm really interested in the NBA okay. um, and shooting basketball. I feel like that would be a lot of fun and um, you're in kind of, you're, you're always indoors, like so you have to worry about weather and I feel like the players feel a bit bigger in the NBA than in the NFL um, and it just seems it seems like you can get a little closer, like they're not wearing a uniform that's covering their face. Um, I think right now I'd pick that NBA for sure. Yeah. What did you, you know, you've done some golf events as well. What did you think about golf? Cause that's lit that's what I've been doing for the past two years now. So mm -hmm. just your thoughts, because if you look at NFL, it is, you know, so explosive. There's so much movement versus golf where it's like, stationary you know you don't really have to worry too much about that kind of thing um so yeah just your thoughts on golf yeah um yeah so like prior to a year and a half ago i could care less for golf um my thoughts on golf were it's boring it's slow it's it takes forever to watch <laughs> on tv it's hard to follow um but recently, the past probably year, I've gotten in a lot more into it just because we do work with a lot of golf clients and both my bosses play golf, a couple of my coworkers play golf, like they're, it's, it's kind of all around me. And so I decided to like give it a try basically. Um, and now basically I'm all in, like I play golf. I, I, I wish it wasn't winter right now because we can't yeah. really play. Um, but I have my own clubs. Um, I, I'm not watching like the PJ tour or anything really not into it that much, but in terms of playing, like it's almost like my second favorite thing to do right now. Um, 
and and shooting some golf events i've gotten to know some of the like the players so i'm starting to develop a little bit of fandom for players here and there and like i'll follow on social and um it's definitely a cool sport to follow um but a lot more fun to play in my opinion so um yeah i mean golf is dope (laughs) it's so funny like everyone that starts off you know is not in the golf world all have the same kind of opinion on it that it's like slow boring like this old man sport and then as soon as Mm -hmm. they start playing you get hooked so quickly and then like literally a couple thousand dollars rands later (laughs) you're hating Mm -hmm. yourself for for actually picking up that club (laughs) yeah um yeah it's been been a lot of fun to try to learn pick it up the game um i'm not like horrendous i'm obviously (laughs) not good but I'm surprisingly like I feel like average maybe like I would I would expect to be a lot worse but I yeah. feel like I've picked it up faster than maybe the average person. Yeah. Um like I still, you know, shank the ball every now and then but like uh I've had like I think two or three career birdies. Um, okay. which have been exciting. Like I feel like that's very hard um but i think i think it's two birdies if i can remember correctly um but only for playing like a couple months since this past summer basically is when i started like i feel like that's impressive but i know i mean it's the same mindset as what i said earlier like you have to get better by going out and doing it so um if it wasn't cold i'd definitely be at the range um (laughs) getting ready for that pga call up (laughs) yeah (laughs) so um and by the way quick one who's your favorite player you mentioned you've been following a few players you know who's kind of kept your your interest um so i think i told myself i was at the pga championship this past august so i told myself whoever's winning that is going to be my my like first pick so colin markawa is currently my favorite player um, just based on he was the first player to win a major that I was at or like the first major I paid attention to he won yeah. and I got to watch him win so I was like all right Colin will uh, get that um, I also like I like Brooks because we did some media stuff with him since he was a former championship or former champion at the PGA um, and then after that uh, I like Bryson because he's kind of like breaking the game and yeah. a lot of people hate that but I like kind of like like it when someone kind of disrupts normal pace of play or just the norm um so I like Bryson uh who else do I like I think yeah I think those are top three that I think of whenever I think about a favorite player um yeah those three and then you know just a question from my side obviously um being in golf and content creating in golf you coming from the outside you know from that nfl perspective and going to the pga championship what did you find you know in the actual process of creating you know what was some of the differences you picked up on you know just obviously there's not as much movement to begin with but in terms of like the 
the style did you notice like a massive difference in the way you captured you know these um events because nfl you kind of stay in one spot if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. and you kind of just panning and whipping all over whereas golf you kind of have to move you're forced to move like yeah you have to walk um, along yeah it was it was definitely interesting um I didn't do as much shooting, but it was, it made it difficult because of the, like you said, you have to walk <laughs> along the course and yeah. you can't really get up and close with the players unless they're going from court, like from hole to hole and you have like a split second opportunity to try to get in front of them or behind them. Um, so it's a lot more long range style of shooting and, um, the pace is a little slower um and it's kind of a large long build up towards the end yeah so um it's definitely a little different but i think the editing was pretty similar in terms of my i guess style or how i approached it like it's it's still sports it's still kind of hype you're trying to create so trying to get the best shots trying to get any cool movement uh, so I think the basics there are similar, but shooting is definitely a lot different. Yeah. And, you know, after this recent NFL season, you've obviously, you know, again, kind of cemented yourself in this industry. And especially on social media, you, you know, have a lot of support and attention. Um, what are some of the things that you've picked up along the way that, you know, if you could kind of, give us a brief summary as to some of the skills you may have picked up. It doesn't have to necessarily be like um, tangible skill, but like maybe the way you look at getting a shot, you know, kind of thing, or it's like the, the thought process that you go through. Has anything changed over these past like two years? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't think a lot has changed. I feel like I'm kind of at a level where I can approach a shoot and just do what I normally do. I guess something that I might be thinking about more is a little bit more of planning, a little bit more pre-planning than normal. Usually I just show up and it is what it is. Um, but recently I've tried to add just a hair more preparation before a shoot. Um, and just talking through what the deliverables are and what the goals are. But other than that, it's been pretty bread and butter for me in the past couple of years. Once you get the hang of things, um, eventually every shoot becomes pretty similar, um, which is good and bad. Like, obviously, you want to be improving and getting better. But uh, definitely with COVID slowing things down, it's kind of been hard to, like, take stuff up a notch with nothing happening yeah yeah i think um like you mentioned once you get comfortable and you know or once you become more comfortable with yourself you kind of don't have that anxiety around you know certain shoots uh you are one of the people who kind of reply the most on social like towards comments and stuff like even getting you on the podcast and um when you post gear images 
like you get a lot of replies and questions and stuff um can you maybe take us through your your setup that you had at the super bowls and the reason maybe why you choose those two cameras and those two lenses just so that people can understand maybe the reasoning behind behind that yeah for sure um so personally i own a black magic pocket cinema camera 4k and i use that for video and then because it can't do pictures i recently got the canon r5 um, prior to that i had the sony a7 III and it was just it didn't make sense to have sony lenses and canon lenses so i decided to consolidate and switch back to canon um, so that's why i got the r5 so that's what i use for pictures and then the black magic is for video i'm mainly a videographer so 98 percent of the time i'm using the black magic but every now and then we need some photos so i have the r5 or i usually try to have a second photo camera just in case so that's why i have those two cameras and then at nfl games i'm tasked with shooting only video like we have a photographer to get photos yeah um but this season kind of wanted to experiment a little bit and just kind of take some more photos so i would bring the r5 and you know after i shoot a little bit of video with the black magic maybe 80 percent of the time i'll randomly whip out the r5 and take some photos but then you can only have one one camera at a time in your hands so sometimes i would miss a play a video and i knew i'd be taking a risk if i'm taking photos i'm not going to get this on video so i had this idea that you know what if i can try to figure out how to attach my canon on top of my black magic so that way i could film and then just spray photos at the same time so that's when i came up with the idea to put my r5 on a basically it's a tripod plate and i added a screw because usually the plate just has one screw facing up to go into the camera. So I added a second screw facing down to screw into the top handle of my black magic cage. And that's how that contraption was basically built. And now I basically have a setup where the R5 is attached on top of my black magic and it's all on one tripod head. So I can, wherever I point my video camera, my R5 is going to point the same way. So then what I do is um, I have the 70 to 200 on the black magic and I'm manually focusing that with my left hand. And then I, for the Super Bowl, I had the 200 to 400 on the R5. Usually I would just have a 70 to 200 on there, but it was a Super Bowl. So we kind of went all out. And then my right hand is on the shutter button of the R5 and that's on autofocus. So I'm looking at my video camera, my black magic and filming like I normally do. Yeah. But then I'm just cranking photos continuously, um, spraying and praying, literally spraying and praying with the photo camera. And it's not my job to get photos. So I don't care if my photos are out of focus or they're not in frame. Like if I shoot a thousand photos and 1% of the thousand photos are perfect and like amazing uh i'm happy with that like any photos is better than no photos because then that's just stuff i can post on instagram um so that's kind of been my mindset this season is trying to figure out how i can still get some photos 
without much loss in the quality of my filmmaking with the video camera. And I feel like, you know, if I didn't have that set up and I'm at a hundred percent filmmaking or make, like shooting video with the added setup, I'm down to like 90% efficient on my videos. Like mm. it might be a little more jerkier. It's not as stable. Yeah. I might, I might not be totally focused on it. Like I'm 98% focused on it. So I do lose like a little bit compared to what I would be, but for the photos that I get, like it's worth that sacrifice. And, you know, you mentioned you're doing both of these things. Can you explain to us how you, you know, what's the process of getting the, uh, the actual footage to, you know, is someone editing live or is, is your content live content or is it only kind of like post-match you'll get a chance to sit down and put a hype video together or is there that certain percentage that they do need for live content? Yeah, so my role during a game is to try to get social content out as fast as I can. Um, so I'm shooting for the NFL as well as for both teams. So I post it in Slack and both the NFL and um, the teams will get access to that as well as like some other entities like the check down will also get access to what I shoot. So it's a balance of getting stuff out quick, but also not missing stuff. So like if I go to my computer to export and post, I can't be filming the next play. So you kind of have to pick and choose when to post. Um, Usually a good rule of thumb is if there's a touchdown, we're sending that because there's a short break after the touchdown. And that's kind of the big thing we're wanting to post. It's just touchdowns and celebrations. Um, but smaller stuff like interceptions or sacks, sometimes we'll post if we got a good shot, but other times we might just wait till the touchdown or wait till a timeout to post. Um, and then you know, pre-game, if something funny happens, we not, we we might not send that right away, but we'll try to film a little bit more, wait till the players go inside, and then we'll submit everything we have. So um, it's a little bit of everything, but we try to get content out in real time. And then afterwards, I still have the content so I can put together like a hype video, and I usually do that for uh, Patrick Mahomes um, through the NFL. Yeah, I think uh, live content is... It's crazy, you know, previously before I started, you know, getting in this this um, area of work, like you'd just be scrolling on social and be like, oh, okay, cool. Like this was on TV, like not too long ago. Eh, okay. But now that I'm kind of involved in it, it's actually quite crazy. The amount of, you know, I won't say stress, but it is like urgency behind getting the capturing and then posting while it's still relevant. I think that's definitely like underrated or under you know not really well documented in a sense like the process of live content creation and i think people don't really appreciate it as much as they should do you you sometimes feel that way like sometimes people forget the process um yeah i mean i think people don't even realize what the process is to get the content out in real time like they just see it happen so um, I don't think it's a lack of appreciation. It's just a lack of, I they don't know. Ready. Yeah. Um, but it, I mean, it's just, it just happens all the time. So fast, so quick that they're probably just used to it. 
Um, so, yeah. When, um, you know, we mentioned earlier kind of talking about gear and being focused on gear, um, how important is it for creatives to gradually move up in their journey and then acquire the gear accordingly versus like trying to, okay, I'm getting this job next week. Let me buy a black magic 6k because well it's 6k and it's raw and whatever versus you know i'm only in this for in this area well i've only been working for like six months maybe i should get higher something versus you know splurging the cash on something just because of the the appearance of it um yeah that's a tough question because um obviously you know if you have the better gear your stuff will look a little better like that 20 percent is a big chunk um so i think it's just a balance slash self-awareness of like is your camera good enough like what you have right now good enough like do you really need to take that next step or can you wait and save and maybe get some other gear that will you know be better long term such as lighting or better audio or better lenses or better filters or whatever like um definitely a trap that i fell into when i started out was just buying kind of the latest and newest thing that came out like i had the canon t3i and then i actually bought a second canon t3i just because i wanted two angles of stuff and then i bought i believe the canon 70d um and then i bought the canon add and then i got the sony i think i got the sony a7s2 after that and then i got the canon 1dx mark ii <laughs> and then i got the sony a7 III, and then i got the black magic 4k so, so a I bit of a journey like, there. <laughs> yeah, and it was just a waste of money. Like I could have just stuck with the ADD or the 70D and just saved $10,000 and gone straight to the Black Magic. Um, but there it's a double-edged sword cuz like maybe the quality of that next camera I got yeah. might have might have led to making enough money so like I see that argument, but, um, in the long run, if it would have been a better strategy to like rent the camera and just try it out rather than buying the next camera and the next camera and new lenses. And like, what I like to say is just save your money and do a big leap, like get something three or four tiers above where you're at now rather than the next tier and then the next tier and then the next tier and then the next tier like just go full frame 4k black map like now versus uh what's a budget starter camera like okay what if you just skipped that budget starter camera and just waited like three more months and like like you're obviously saving for that budget camera right so what if you saved six more months or 12 more months and got you know a sony a7s3 like i then you'd be freaking rocking and rolling and just 4k yeah, 120 out, but 
you've got you don't need to upgrade anymore and now you can yeah. just focus on getting the lenses getting lightings and you're set you're set for life but if you get the starter camera uh, but again double-edged sword you get the starter camera you can start creating content now versus later you can get the reps in so it's just dependent on your situation like if you have a camera now then don't get the next budget-friendly camera just save until you can make that full jump if you don't have anything get the cheapest budget camera and aim for the next big jump or something i don't know like just don't don't take baby steps when it comes yeah. to equipment yeah i think yeah that's something that i was almost kind of falling into as well it was like okay i had the canon 700d and then from that i went to the canon m50 mirrorless and i was like okay there's no point in me buying another APS-C mirrorless camera because I've got one and, you know, they can't be that much better. Now I've got the a7 III full frame, 4K, and, you know, if I had to now go and get the M6 from Canon, it would just be like a waste of money, like you mentioned, because it's such a small improvement, if any. Yeah. Um, that could have went for, like, a better lens, like a 2.8 lens versus yeah. a camera body. Um an interesting question I have for you is, you know, working for the NFL, you know, do people ask you, like, how did you get the job? And, you know, what do you tell them? Because sometimes people assume um, the easiest way, like, oh, he probably just knows someone or something along those lines. So can you maybe take us through that journey? Or is it, you know, kind of a long working with Let It Fly that you kind of got into this, this sphere? Um, so yeah, a lot of people ask all the time, how to, how can they shoot for the NFL? How can they yeah. get a job similar to me? And my general question of that is like, if, if, I mean, if you want to shoot sports, then you need to have sports in your portfolio. Like if you want to shoot at the NFL, great. Do you have football in your reel, in Ford your Ford, yeah. portfolio? I don't care what level of football it is, but it has to be something. Like, if you can't shoot in the NFL, then what's the next step? Like, shoot at college level. If you can't shoot there, what's the next step? Junior college, D3, D2. If you can't get into those games, um, high school, varsity, junior varsity. If you can't get into those, which... I'm sure you could get into like there's probably 10 high schools around you right now and five of the 10, eight out of the 10 doesn't have like a videographer shooting for them. Yeah. You just have to reach out and ask. And if worst case, you can't shoot for that. There's plenty of middle schools, you know, middle school football, like start at whatever entry point you can get in and then work your way up. After two years of shooting high school, you, you get better. You put in the reps now you can reach out back out to those colleges that said no at first and say, Hey, here's what I've done the past two years with these high schools. Like, can I shoot some college ball? They say, yes, great. You go do that for another two, three, four, five years, make a reel, you know, by then you're getting better. Reach back out to the NFL and reach out to teams, reach out to leagues. Like, network with the people working in nfl like show that you're working on your craft and you know it's not an overnight thing it doesn't happen overnight or over the week 
Like if you want to shoot in the NFL, then it's going to take a while. And if you're okay with that, then get started. Yeah. I think, um, it's just the assumption that, oh no, like you just get that kind of job, but you know, people often don't look at the, the experience meter and see how many Mm -hmm. reps, like you mentioned reps, it's all about reps. Um, you are, you, you know, you kind of, you, you super young, but you also at this high level of, you know, what you, you, the field you are in. So where do you, you know, what does Billy see himself doing like future aspirations or do you, are you kind of just content where you're at now and you kind of want to just get way better at what you're doing right now and then see where to from now kind of thing? Um, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, it's, it's kind of half and half, like I'm semi content right now. Cause like, it's literally the dream gig. I'm yeah. full time at an agency and I work part time for the NFL and I know as long as nothing changes, I'm basically locked in for every Super Bowl, you know, unless like my boss or the hierarchy above me at the NFL mm. changes. As far as that stays the same, I'm going to next year's Super Bowl. I'm going to the Super Bowl after that. So that on top of what we're doing at Let It Fly and how much we're growing there, like I'm basically content with that being the rest of my career. Um, now, obviously, within that, you know, NFL probably can't really get better than what's happening now. Like, Super Bowl is a Super Bowl. Um, but at Let It Fly, like, there's a lot of room for growth. We're growing our team, hiring more people, getting bigger jobs. Um, there's That's where, like, the, the growth factor is, like, basically unlimited because – like we're just based in Kansas city, but maybe we have a second office down the road. Maybe, you know, we have a team of 25, a team of 50, a team of 75. Like, I don't know. It's, it's really that that's the side where like that can grow to be something big NFL. I'm basically as high as I want to go there. Like I don't want to work full time for the NFL. Um, I just want to do exactly what I'm doing there. So not much can change there. So I'm content with that side of things, but for let it fly, it's like the opposite. So it's nice to have the kind of that both feeling like you're content with where you're at, but you're also, it's like, I'm content with the progress. Like, like I'm going up, but I don't need to go up at a higher, um, X or I don't know, algebra, like, a higher rate than what I'm at now. Like it's just constant, but I'm okay with that constant. Yeah. And I think, do you think sometimes like it also comes back to self-awareness because you also kind of recognize that you can't really be doing too much better than what you are right now, because sometimes people get stuck in their head also based on, you know, just comparing ourselves to others that, Oh no, I should be working every week as a freelancer, for instance, whereas, you know, some people just have um, a different set of clients that require that work every week. So in your head, you telling yourself, no, like I'm only shooting three times a week, I should be shooting every day. And it's just like self-awareness is such a key thing in our um, sphere. And I think people need to start kind of 
looking into that a bit deeper yeah something very um uh, this kind of answers your question earlier about what's kind of changed in the past two years um something i've learned to do is uh learning to say no um when people ask for freelance stuff like i'm saying no more than i'm saying yes like i just don't need it anymore um and if you say yes to too many things it kind of just overloads your plate and you get stressed out about it so that's something that's you know helped a lot the past couple of years um is just learning to say no and or just increasing your rate by like an absurd amount to where (laughs) they don't they don't even if they ask. say yes then amazing like yeah. let's rock and roll but it most likely they're gonna say no and i'm okay with that yeah saying no is and you know once you get to that level where you have to learn how to say no is when you start kind of appreciating all the the free work you did when you were kind of starting out because mm-hmm. that's what's led you to this moment now where that many people want your work and you know just your thoughts on free work i know you've you've mentioned on social like that's quite a big role in many creatives lives and like you need to do free work to an extent um so just your Mm -hmm. thoughts on that just to close off on yeah um again this is almost similar to the equipment mindset it's self-awareness and what situation you're in if you don't need to make money to pay your bills to pay rent to buy food to pay loans then working for free is kind of like your best card to use. Um, If you need money to survive, because we live in a society where you have to pay for stuff and um, pay your bills, pay for food, pay for loans, which that's the reality of it, then you need to obviously not work for free or not work for free for super long. So it's very dependent on your situation. but if able to, I think working for free is one of the biggest um, like tools or strategy to get better because you're basically, it lets you get in, get in the door of so many opportunities slash industries. Like if I wanted to drop everything right now, quit, quit football, quit, let it fly, um, I would never do this. But if I wanted to and then just start, and then pretend COVID doesn't exist um, and start like getting into concert photography or concert video making, which is what I wanted to do out of college. Um, so I did this a little bit. I w- my strategy would be to reach out to every single band that's going to be performing in KC, touring, and just say, hey, do you guys need a videographer for this tour date? You're going to be in KC. I'm based in KC. I'm willing to shoot for free. And like the moment they see that, sometimes they won't respond. Sometimes they'll say, no, we already have some guy, but sometimes they'll be like, heck yeah, like let's do it. So then you get a free pass to go do something with zero expectations because you're doing it for free. So if it sucks, okay, well you didn't pay (laughs) me, so it sucks. Um, But if it's good, they're like, oh dang, like, you want to come to our next mm. city and film and you're like, all right, like you got to pay me for travel, for, like at least pay for my travel. And they're like, all right, you go to that one. You do well again. Then it's like, do you want to tour with us? Well, yeah, pay, there's my rate. Like, and then if that does, like that's a dream scenario, probably not going to happen. But if you do that enough, 
eventually someone's gonna be like, Hey, we could use you in LA. Like you want to fly out. Um, so yeah, working for free is a huge piece of leverage that I think, you know, obviously I want people to be paid. I think everyone should be paid, but like in a world where that's not the reality, you got to use what's like what's given to you basically. Like if you're not going to use that card, someone else will, and they're just taking the reps away from you. Um, so, which is unfortunate because like then it brings in the whole, you know, if people have the money to be able to do that or if they don't have the money, like it's, it's a whole thing of money and how our society is built. But, um, yeah, like, you know, if you really want it that badly, get a, gotta, gotta make a few way, sacrifices. Yeah find, a way, yeah. find a way to make it happen. Like, I know I, it's, it's tough. Like I had student loans coming up. I still have student loans. So like, I understand it's not the easiest thing to do, but, um, it's again, self-awareness, figuring out what's important to you, budget your money. Um, are you like, are you paying too much for rent? Should you be going down to like a one, a studio instead of a one bedroom or like, I don't know, like, should you find some roommates to try to get rent cheaper? Like if you want to make it work, you got to figure out a way to make it work. It's all the barriers and doorways are in front of you. You just have to figure out how to navigate it. Um, I like fun fact, my internship at the chiefs, I lived in an Airbnb for the seven months of my internship. So like, it's not all, it's not all glamorous. Yeah, I was literally in one room. Everything I oh, own in, in a room, because it was, it was someone someone else's house, um, and I just Airbnb it. Like, so they were staying. They were staying there. You just rented a room from them, basically. Yeah, yeah. It was oh, their, like, yeah, yeah. It was, it was one of their rooms. They Airbnb two of their rooms in their house. Um, it was a family, and I messaged them on Airbnb and said, "Hey." Or I made a check-in out, the check-in date and the check-out date, like, seven months apart. And I was like, hey, I'm interning with the Chiefs. Like, I don't really want to get a six-month lease because maybe the Chiefs go on a playoff run and I have to stay longer. I don't want to get a one-year lease because maybe they don't offer me a job. Um, so I think Airbnb is my best bet. Like, how much – or not how much, but, like, would you be willing to accept me f for six months, seven months versus a weekend? Um, and yeah, I did that and I've, I've lived at my friend's house for like three months, like to make it work, to get my lease, to line up with other roommates. Like it's how you just gotta, just gotta make gotta it happen. Do. Yeah. And with that bully, um, final question for the gearheads out there, if you could pick up any camera right now, any lens combination, what would it be and why? Um, so it'd be the Ari Alexa mini. I think the new one's like the Ari Alexa mini LF, which I think stands for like large format. I don't really know. I've never used it. So, um, but I used the Ari Amira at the chiefs. 
so I do have experience with the Aries um, or Aries or whatever they're called. And so the Alexa Mini is like a smaller format. It's closer to what a red, that square shaped. So I'd love to get my hands on that. And then I think my go-to favorite lens from the Chiefs was a Fujinon 20-120. to 120. Um, It was like a cinema type looking lens and it was super nice. So I think that with the Ari and like your classic handheld cage shoulder rig to it would be my go-to setup right now. And like a shotgun mic, um, that's all I would need. And maybe a monitor, but that the, the eyepiece is good enough. Yeah. Thanks, Billy, for making time. Um, people can follow you. I'll tag your links in the description. But um, thanks for, you know, dropping all this knowledge. We are, and we look forward to seeing what you put out in the future, man. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having me.